Happy Black History Month and welcome to Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter in the IG SCK80. Once again, SCK80. That's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow this show, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast programming from War Media by simply going to our website at weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And you can go to War on Anchor, wherever you download your podcast, including that iHeartRadio app. It takes you over to iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and all your other favorite downcast platforms. Just type in that search engine box, War on Anchor, W-A-R-R on Anchor. We're also on the tube, a.k.a. YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. You can not only listen to us, but watch us do our thing live. Thank you for your support in advance. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Lakina, let's start off with football. As I said to you before, on and off the air on this show, we tell you what's happening, but we also can predict what's going to happen nine times out of ten. Didn't you bring up on Friday a, a, a strong possibility that Matthew Stafford will could go to, uh, to the Los Angeles Rams? I thought that was you who said that. <laughs> one of us. I know well, one of who, us. One of us did. I, I don't know if it was. I, I just kind of you know, brought up in happenstance. Like, hey, you know, it would be interesting. If, I, I think my exact, I'm paraphrasing what I said, but mm-hmm. wouldn't it be interesting if Stafford would go to the Rams? I mean, you got Cooper Cup. You got Robert Wood, Robert Woods. Robert Woods. You got, you know, a couple other guys. You got a pretty good defense led by Aaron Donald. I mean, you'll have to give up a lot because of the contract, but it'd be interesting, though, to see. And look what happened on Saturday. It, it broke, I guess it broke yeah, about like eight, no, it broke about like eight, like eight o'clock our time on Saturday mm-hmm. night. Yeah, yeah. I guess the powers that be uh, in the football world were listening to us. Uh, <laughs> uh, that <laughs> I would just uh, we'll get into the details of the trade in just a moment. But Matthew Stafford was traded from the Detroit Lions to the Los Angeles Rams in exchange for Jared Goff. And the Detroit Lions will receive two first-round picks, the first one in 2022, the second one in 2023, and this year's second-round pick. Lakina, (laughs) uh, I'll ask you, you, which angle should I go with this? Should I go Los Angeles angle before the trade went down, or should we go with the local angle in the Bears? I'll let you decide. Uh, Where should I go with this first? Go with the go with the local the local angle first. Okay. After the trade uh, broke on Saturday night, and of course our podcast was released earlier that day, <laughs> I get a text uh, a notification on my phone saying that the Bears were seriously in it. Uh, of course, with general manager Ryan Pace, as we told you um, all season on the show, that now that the Mullicans have ran out, head coach Matt Nagy of the Bears, GM Ryan Pace, and, well, we know Mitchell Trubisky probably won't be back as quarterback <laughs> for the Chicago Bears, but Pace and Nagy, they're, uh, their heads on, on, the, on the shovel right now. And uh, reading through that notification on my phone just after the stack of trade, was, the news was broken. Uh, the Bears came in second or third place, you know, um, in receive, um, trying to go after Matthew Stafford. 
And I said to myself, that's not really news. You know why? And we said this about Deshaun Watson, who we'll, we'll bring up, I'm sure, in this conversation. The Lions were not going to trade trade him to the Bears. That's within the division. I know the Lions are stupid at times, but they're not going to do something stupid as that. No. Come on now. Well, they got well, yeah. Plus, they got like I, I think they got like smarter people running the team now. So uh, I don't think they were going to do that. And also, Brad Holmes is a new general manager. He worked with the Rams organization for years, so he worked closely with Jared Goff and, you know, was familiar with him. So they were able to, I know there were people on Twitter saying, well, he fleeced his former employer, but I mean, not necessarily so. I mean, you know, and apparently Goff made some comments after the trade was official saying that, well, you know, kind of throwing McVay under the bus and comparing him to Gruden. You know, we broke, you know, a couple of weeks ago that there was definitely a little bit of Disagreement, not 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 in fight necessarily, but disagreement between mm-hmm. golf and McVay. So I'm thinking that maybe that also played a part too. That maybe they wanted to maybe perhaps maybe Detroit's thinking about you know just wiping this late clean and started over because they got a lot of draft capital and the Rams feel like they may still have a shot. They still have a window, although they have a lot of dead money, so they're probably gonna have to release some guys to sort of you know eat that money of of the uh, contract decision for golf. So. A lot of parameters to sort of dissect here. Yeah, shout out to our buddy Nick Hamilton out there in Los Angeles as I, as a friend of the program. As a, I follow a lot of uh, sports radio gurus out there in Los Angeles and monitoring that situa- situation all season long. Their situation sounds like the Chicago Bears, but here's the thing. Sean McVay has done what he needed to do up until this past season, even though they made the playoffs. That Rams offense turned around on the Sean McVay almost immediately they got to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago in which they got embarrassed by the Patriots 13-3 but with that being said uh Jared Goff was the smart choice at that time even though at that time uh, Jeff Fisher was the head coach uh the Rams needed to make an impact they already had now ex-running back Ty Gurley and they drafted Aaron Donald after that I, I said this before on this show even on our radio show Lakina I'll say it again I think Jared Goff is a little better than Trubisky, but here's Jared Goff. He's not going to wow you like an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes. He's not that type of quarterback that's going to carry a team on his back. When you have a good running game, when you have a good defense, you have weapons around him, then he shines brightly. But when you take any of those parts away from him, he's an average to a below average quarterback. You, you saw that this year. You definitely saw that last year. So for people to be surprised by this, if you claim that you've uh, followed the National Football League, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, I think we all we've all known this that you know, like it's like we mentioned the last couple of weeks. There is definitely some sort of something was sort of a miss here, especially when golf got hurt and then had the surgery on his thumb. But you know, the, you know, Wolford, unfortunately, you know, he got hurt and he had to come back in. And he was look, golf didn't make any mistakes, but he wasn't the reason why they upset you know even though technically it really wasn't because they're in a division and they split their uh pre- their um regular season meeting in cincinnati i mean uh seattle i don't know where i got cincinnati from but i, I mean there was i mean there was he didn't really wow you so like you said i mean yes he was actually able to get the best of the bears you know, the both times that they played but when he was there but 
you know, unfortunately, I, I kind of trust McVay's offense that I do Nagy's offense. Mm-hmm. You know, Golf made some comments that, well, McVay, you know, indirectly saying that, well, McVay, you know, people are catching up to McVay's offense and, you know, this and that. I, I mean, look, you, you got a good you know, receiving core. You got a good running game. You got a good defense. If you're – you kind of want to stock, you know, make your stock, put your stock into maybe the Rams because, you know, their windows still open a little bit. You know, Detroit, it sounds like they're going to, you know, start over. And the Bears are actually close to the Lions situation. They really are to the Rams situation, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Because they got, you know, the guys, yes, the, the, the Bears defense was, you know, still very good, but the guys are older. And they will be even older than that next season. So, you know, Hicks is on the other side at 30. Max over 30 now. So, a lot of those, and Quinn's almost 30. I think he will be 30 this year. So, you know, the, the defense is getting older. So, if you're an NFL team, if you're going to put stock in somebody for next season, I would probably put my stock more on the Rams than the Bears. But, again, that's just me. You're listening to Sega City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Browns. We talk NFL, the Matthew Stafford and Jerry Goff trade, which took – place over the weekend. The news broke over the weekend. They'll be training for each other. And some first-round draft picks were involved as well. Of course, this news will not become official until after the Super Bowl. The new league year will begin sometime in March. Lakina, going back to Jared Goff for a second, if you studied those Rams teams that went to the playoffs in 2017, definitely in 2018, if you noticed something, when Jared Goff played against very good defenses like the Bears on that Sunday night in 2018, of course, against the Patriots in that Super Bowl during that same season. He struggled and struggled big time. And so I feel that Sean McVay says, I need someone who could do damage not just against defenses who are equal you or worse than you. I need somebody to do damage with my offense against the best defenses. Yes, the Rams beat the Bears the last two times, Lakin, but let's be honest here. When the Bears played the Rams, both those signs of both of those matchups were toward the middle of the, of the season each of the last two years. The Bears' defense were tired of carrying that dead-ass offense, and they were close to breaking, which we saw what happened. So I, I think that Jared Goff, will, will, he, will he do for the Lions? I don't think it's going to change much, to be honest with you, because I think it's uh, – you could, you could check this, um, Lakina. I think he still has – Three years left on that contract? Four years? I'm not sure, but... Three. Three? Mm-hmm. So if, if he falls flat on his face uh, next year, the Lions, can, the Lions just can cut him just like that. So he's not really going to be the future. What I'm uh, saying is, Jared Goff, I don't think he's going to change uh, much. Of course, he's going to get a fresh start, but I think he's really his career is on the line. Now, going back to the Bears, Lakina... Well, which situation you, you would take right now, the Bears situation or the Rams? Obviously, the Rams. Hopefully, the injury bug doesn't start to ravage them like it did the 49ers uh, this past season. Like, you know, the Rams, you no, know, they don't have any first-round draft capital for the next three or four years because they traded Jared Goff for, and got some uh, – traded some draft picks, and they traded away a, a first-round draft pick as well when they got Jalen Ramsey for Jacksonville. So – the Rams right now, I say the window's open two, maybe three years if they can get this right. Like you said, like, like you said on paper, Stafford gives them the better chance to win. I, I, I was listening to some L.A. Sports Radio again earlier uh, last week, and GM Blasney uh, uh, came out and said, well, we don't know what's going on with golf, you know, doing all standard pat nonsense, just giving off 
have one word answers and we all know now that something was in the works and it finally uh, came to fruition. So the the Rams on paper are, are a better team. They should be, and I think they will be the favorite to win the NFC West next year. They still have a good defense. It was number one statistically in the NFL this year. I uh, I will put my stock on them. The Bears will have a lot of work to do. We'll get into them in just a moment. Now on the other side for the Lions, I think Jared Goff is going to be there for one year. And if he doesn't cut it, or if the head coach Dan Campbell's ineptitude to call plays like his younger brother Matt Nagy, then uh, they're going to feel the wrath. But uh, the Lions, like you said, they're rebuilding. And let's be honest here, like like I said, golf is not their long-term answer. The Lions had to take him so in, in, in exchange for the first-round picks they gave to the Rams. So the Lions have a lot of work to do. Of course, they have a, a wide receiver named Kenny Galladay, who's a free agent. And if you're Galladay, um, even though you were injured this past year, would you come back to that mess? <laughs> oh, no, no, I, I wouldn't. And like I said, it's going to be very interesting in the offseason, especially with the salary cap. I'm sure it's going to be you know, lower. We'll see how low it is for a lot of these teams. And a lot of teams are not going to want to spend a lot of money or spend a lot of you know, on the draft pick. So this is going to be where it starts to, like I said, we probably won't know anything, you know, you know, concrete till after the Super Bowl. But to hear the Bears, you know, they try to get Stafford, uh, supposedly that they're trying to, they were calling Miami about Tua, which, you know, if, if you're Miami, do you really want to, you know, who, who, who on the Bears do you want if, if, you're, if you're Miami or anybody for that matter, or even Houston? So I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, the Bears really don't have much, much, you know, much, have a good hand here in what they can offer the teams. No, they don't. Uh, other than a first-round pick uh, this year or next year, that, that's about it. This team needs draft capital to rebuild this roster. And as I said before, Ryan Pace's job is on the line right now. All the mulligans are up. And any move that he makes from here on out, uh, you have to uh, strike gold on. Uh, we know, we all know through his past draft history, he struck gold with the later-round picks. But the first-round picks, outside of Roe Cross Smith from a couple years ago, it's been trash. Oh yeah, totally. And it, like, it's going to be very interesting to see where all this goes. Cause you know, we already, like we saw Stafford, you know, he's gone to the Rams, you know, the the Packers, if we're the Packers for a second, they've already been very adamant saying that they're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers. You know, he's still under contract with them, I think for another two or three more years. So, you know, now going to Houston for a second, you're hearing, you know, the Texans brass face and say, Hey, we're not going to trade, trade him. But you know, if you look at Watson's Twitter, Twitter account, he's basically did an Allen Robinson scrubbed everything, scrubbed the Texas logo from all his social media. So it's sort of like, I know people will say, well, the Texans got the cards. Well, Watson's got all the cards. I mean, the, to me, I, I think, you know, if you're the Texans, you don't want to have an unhappy superstar. We saw what happened to one of your fellow Houston teams in the Rockets. I mean, Harden kind of let himself go, and you know, look, look what happened. Now we'll we'll see what we'll see what he does once you know once he gets himself in shape. But you, I don't know if you want to go that route if you're if you're the um if you're the Texans right now. I mean, you don't want a guy you know you don't want to have an ha- unhappy Watson going to the training camp. You don't want an unhappy Watson you know going to preseason. You know, depending on how the schedule is going to be next year. So it's going to be very interesting though in, in the Texans front. 
Yeah, in, in the case of Deshaun Watson, everybody say he holds the cards. He does for now, but let's just say he doesn't get his wish and, and get traded this offseason. Uh, the Houston Texans actually hold the cards because they can find him every day through training camp and if he missed any regular season games. They could take a whole lot of money off his check. And we all know the Ken, especially professional athletes, football players in particular, because only 25 to 30% of their contracts are guaranteed. Uh, when you start losing money, you cannot recruit that back. So the owners know that, the players know that. For those of you that don't know that, you better know that now. So Deshaun Watson, he may have the cards right now to try to see if he can maneuver out of Houston. Uh, if he's if he's remains as a Texan uh, to start next season, oh, I want to sit out games. Uh, I want to miss training camp. Uh, those fines are going to pile up, and like I said, you cannot get recoup that money back. Because we all know the National Football League is discriminatory anyway because the contracts are not fully guaranteed. So uh, he's playing hardball here, but you just uh, hopefully he has the right people behind him on his team. You got to be careful here. Well, yeah, absolutely. You don't, you don't want to sort of – it's sort of like poker, right? You don't want to show your hand, you know, mm -hmm. right away. And, you know, hopefully maybe they can be in the middle and then – Maybe they say, "Hey, you know what? Maybe if you take, if you get rid of your no trade clause, we can kind of figure out, okay, which, you know, what you think will be not only the the right fit for you, but also the right fit for us to make sense for us, you know, financially, you know, with draft picks and and stuff like that." So, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, this is going to be very interesting all season in that front. And yes, I'm sure both I'm sure both sides feel like they have the cards, but. It's going to be just to see like who will break face first. That that they that think that's mm -hmm. probably going to be the that's going to be the number the million dollar question. Which which side will break first? Which side will say, hey, you know what? Let's try to make it make a deal together. Or if if Deshaun is, people say, hey, okay, you know what? We'll get rid of our no trade clause and you know we'll figure out like what will be the you know a destination for you. As we continue to talk NFL, let's transition over to the Chicago Bears. Lakina, we played the game on our last episode on the weekend edition of Second City Sports, uh, free agent quarterbacks. Uh, the, the other question out there is, will star receiver Allen Robinson, who I believe is top, a top 15 receiver in the National Football League, he's currently a free agent, as you mentioned with Deshaun Watson through his Instagram accounts, of course. Earlier in the season, Allen Robinson scrubbed all of his Bears stuff off, off all of his off his Instagram because uh, the Bears would not talk contract extension with him. Of course, when we had Jason Leisure on this program a couple weeks ago, he said, you know, it's not just about financial, it's all about respect. And right now, it seems like the two sides do not respect each other. And I still hold on to this opinion. Should Allen Robinson come back to the Bears, it's going to be on, on the franchise tag. You know the NFL players hate the franchise tag because they're going to have to pay the top five uh, salaries for that position. And, and we talked about with the Chicago Bears. You're, 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 you're at a salary cap crossroads anyway, so even you do cut those, play, uh, those players to maneuver a cap, do you really have enough to pay Allen Robinson at a top five salary for that position going to next year? I don't think. Yeah, I think that's that's sort of like the thing with 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 the Allen Robinson thing because if you're Allen Robinson, do you really like I've been saying for the last couple of weeks? Do you really want to you know come back to the Bears, not knowing what the quarterback situation is going to be, not knowing that they may have to release a lot of their veteran guys to sort of get underneath the cap? Um, mm -hmm. They just they just released a statement about about an hour ago about tickets. You know, assuming that they'll that fans will be able to you know to come to Soldier Field and watch the Bears next mm -hmm. season. You know, 
they're still kind of playing it by ear. You don't know how much revenue is going to be, you know, going to be there for them to spend on anybody. This is why they're doing like all these, you know, trade proposals, quote unquote, and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So if you're Alan Robinson, you're hoping and praying that they don't franchise Haggy so that you can go to the Ravens or the Rams or, you know, um, maybe another, I'm trying to think of another like contending team. I'm sure he's going to, who needs another um, wide receiver or the 49ers, you know, a team like, mm -hmm. you know, teams like that. So if you're Allen Robinson, you're, you're sort of hoping and praying that they don't get the tags so that you can kind of, you could be a free agent and, you know, go mm -hmm. wherever you want to go. But I, like you said, but I think I'm with you said, I mean, the Bears are at a crossroads right now. And, you know, like the cap situation is good. It's, you know, a very, you know, a tough, uh, a very, um, a very tough thing to figure out you know like we've been saying it will probably be lower than you know than it was that it's been in you know in the last few years because of the pandemic because of you know you couldn't get revenue from you know getting people in the stands and whatnot mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm thinking like you said that the team and the team as a whole i mean are there really contenders next year that's another thing that you kind of have to throw in there i'm sure if you're Allen robinson you're still you're still in your you're in your late 20s now you want to go someplace where you can be a you know, be a, a contributor to a contending team. And let's face it, the Bears are probably not going to be that next year. So you're, you're kind of like, okay, what uh, – you're, you're kind of like you're sort of stuck because you don't know they can just franchise – they can tag you anytime they want. So mm -hmm. you're, you're kind of like, okay, you're, you're sort of like you're stuck if you're Allen Robinson, unfortunately. Yeah, if you're Robinson, you're going into the prime of your career. You're a couple years removed from that torn ACL. And, yes, you have options, and I said this on the show before – if the Packers decide to make a serious offer to him, you wouldn't think he would take a chance at that at a heartbeat, especially sticking it to the Bears. I wouldn't doubt that for a minute. So uh, the the options on your favor for Robinson, assuming that the Bears don't slap the franchise tag on on him, I still have a sneaky feeling that that can, that can happen. But but we'll we'll see what happens with Mr. Robinson. Now we're gonna play a game. Top free agent wide receivers for this all season. You ready, Lakina? Who do you let's, think the Bears should go after? Let's right, be let's, realistic here. All right, let's kick it. All right. He made $18 million this year for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's at age 33. A.J. Green. First of all, I can't believe he's 33. But, but, I, but I forgot. You know, him and Stafford are sort of like came out, came out about the same time. So, mm -hmm. oh, uh. Over 30, has injury issues. You can probably get him for a team-friendly deal, but if you're Ryan Pace, do you really want to go through that? So I'll put him in the maybe pile. Okay. T.Y. Hilton, age 32, wide receiver from the Indianapolis Colts. Still very, was very productive last year. Um you know, basically, basically said, I, I saw his tweet. He said that was a base that he's a free agent. So it doesn't look like he'll be back with the Colts. So um, I, I think I would, I would put, I would put a, a, a put offer in for him. And then he's still, he said he's still very productive. I think he had, I think he led the, led the team receiving yards, you know, had kind of had some injury issues early on in his career, but has you know, been very productive. So I definitely take a gander at him. Uh, the next uh, name is Larry Fitzgerald, but I think he's going to retire, so we can cross him off. Or, uh, or, Sammy, or, or maybe he might, or he might try again with the Cardinals. So yeah. that's probably. So, but he's not coming here. Mm. No, he's not. Uh, Sammy Watkins, twenty-eight, wide receiver, Kansas City Chiefs. I say no. Too injury prone. I say no too. And he's making nine million dollars this season. Marvin Jones, age thirty-one, out of Detroit. 
I'm sure I'm sure Jones would love to stick it to 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 the Lions because he kind of he's kind of you know feel like the Lions have sort of sort of left him out to dry in the last few years. So I I probably take a I probably take a get gander at him. You know, like like I said, still you know very productive. You know, you saw firsthand what he did he's done to you a couple of times, especially in the last meeting from this past season, which led to Detroit you know upsetting the Bears. So yeah, mm-hmm. I probably would take a flyer at uh Mr. Jones. This name I didn't expect to see on this list, age 26, Corey Davis for the Tennessee Titans. Aha. Uh-huh. He will probably be too expensive for them to take. I mean, they've, they've, they've got other guys now, so I'm not surprised that the Titans probably don't want to, you know, go there, go there right with him. I mean, I mean, he's younger than all the guys we've mentioned, so that's one thing they've got going for him. You know, could it be just be that maybe he just needs to find the right system for him? I mean, I don't know if the Bears system is the right fit for him, but you know, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't it doesn't hurt to to check, right? Mm-hmm. It does not hurt. So Corey Davis made over six million dollars this year. Of course, Cordell Patterson, he's a free agent. He made five million dollars this year from the Bears. Uh, I'm not going to say Danny Amadola. He's too old. He's a free agent out of Detroit. Keelan Cole, age 28, out of Jacksonville. Wasn't very productive. We didn't really see too much of him because, you know, he plays in Jacksonville, so that we didn't, you know, know too much of him. But, I mean, again, younger, you know, probably a little bit cheaper. Knowing the Bears will probably will take a, take a, take a gander at him, I'm thinking. Uh, this one will give uh, – will have fans give me the dirty look, but you'll see why in a minute. Demarcus Robinson, age 27, out of Kansas City. <laughs> oh, oh gosh, that's a that's another tough one, but uh I think they might stay away from from that one from him, I think. Oh, so you're gonna say that Matt Nagy will actually use the football sense and not pick up an old chief? Oh, I don't know. Well, you never well unless look, unless Nagy wants him, <laughs> I mean unless Nagy wants him, I mean that might that might be the one thing that'll probably get him to come here is because Nagy, I'm sure he knows him, so <laughs> that could but that's probably within you know Pace's wheelhouse. Let's see, Zay Jones, age twenty six, out of Las Vegas for the Raiders. I yeah, I, I would definitely definitely you know make an offer to him. I think look, he you know very productive. I, I think he didn't really get get showcased too much in you know Gruden's offense. So I'm thinking that maybe I think maybe the Bears will probably take a look at him. Like I said, he's twenty six. You know, he's got the speed and. I think he led the I think he led the Rays in receiving, I believe, or was definitely in the top three. So I would definitely probably probably take a look at Mr. Jones. That Jones too. <laughs> You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Cindy Brown. As we talk NFL free agency, wide receivers who will become available this offseason. Continuing, age twenty-five from the Carolina Panthers, Curtis Samuel. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I think he let. I think he let the Panthers in rushing, if I'm not mistaken. So I definitely. And he's still young, so I would definitely probably take a look at him. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is on this list, but I just don't see him leaving Pittsburgh. And even yeah. if he does, I don't see him coming here. So I'll take a pass on him. He's gonna want a lot of money, so I don't think that's gonna yeah. happen anyway. I, but I think I'm sure they'll they'll probably tag him. I think. Okay, Chris Godwin, who will play this coming Sunday for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is at age 25. He's had a good playoff run so far. I think the I think the Bucks will try to find a way to keep him. 
he's one of uh, Brady's top tires. So they're going to, they're going to, especially if Brady does, I'm sure he will come back next year. They're going to find a way to try and keep, especially if they win Sunday. Okay. Age 25. Now I got to find this here. Um, age 26, I should say, from the Buffalo Bills, Isaiah McKenzie. Doesn't look like he fits in that offense. So we didn't really hear too much from him in that offense. So they might I, look. He might be the your your your. I don't want to say. I don't want to demean him by saying he's the cheapest option. But he probably you'll probably mm-hmm. be able to get less for from you know, for him. So I'm sure the girls will probably take a look at him. Couple more names for you. Age 28 out of Jacksonville, D.D. Westbrook. That's it. Mm. Uh, I mean, yeah, sure. I think that they might they might take a look at him. And of course, rounding up the free agency list, age twenty eight from the Detroit Lions, Kenny Galladay. Too injury prone, productive but very injury prone. So that's the notable free agent wide receivers from this list. Lakina, <laughs> what about you? you? See, uh, <laughs> I would take a look at Galladay, but I don't know if the Bears will do that. I don't know if he's, if he's going to be the answer. Curtis Samuel is not bad, but see, here's the thing for the Bears. If Robson goes, who you have as your number one wide receiver? I know by default it's Darnell Mooney, but He's good, but he, that's not number one production. At least not yet, anyway. So I don't want to ins- insult the young man. But who else do you have on our roster? You know, um, uh, Calvin Ridley's brother, uh, Riley Ridley. He didn't get on the field to the last playoff game. Mm-hmm. He hasn't played much in his Bears system for two years. <laughs> so you really, you, so you really suffering at the wide receiver core. Well, and like you and like you said, I mean, who's your number one guy if they don't tag Robinson or if you know, Robinson does leave? I mean, you don't you don't really have anybody at the, at that by that point. So, you know, Mooney, we didn't see much of. You know, really, we just saw him like two weeks, just like three weeks ago. So I don't think he's not going to be mm-hmm. your top guys. So I don't know of those names. Who do you think the Bears should pursue? I think T.Y. Hill wouldn't be bad. I know Kenneth Davis from that Davis show in Flipping Friends, he hates football-wise, he hates T.Y. Hills, and probably for the same reasons you mentioned, Lakina. But with that being said, I would take realistically take a look at T.Y. Hilton. But I think the question will be, who's going to be the quarterback? Will it be Nick Foles? I know there's a quote-unquote outside chance of Trubisky, but I think realistically I don't think he's coming back here. So if you don't pursue a trade and execute it, you have no choice. It'll be Nick Foles. So I think the question is, they do have a decent, uh, it's a better wide receiver free agency class than the quarterback class. The question is, who's going to throw, throw these guys above if you're a wide receiver? And I think that's what I wanted to bring this up earlier. If you're Allen Robinson, if you want me to come back, that's fine. Give me my market value. And who's going to throw the ball to me? Those are the two issues I have right now. But back to who I think the Bears realistically should take a look at is T.Y. Hilton. He's the best out of that bunch I read, just read off. Because mm-hmm. yeah, let's be realistic here. Juju Smith-Schuster, he's not going anywhere. He's definitely not coming here. And A.J. Green, he's not coming here. He's going to a contending team. Oh, yeah. So he's not – yeah. 
those two guys are out, I'm sure, no doubt. And, mm-hmm. and probably money-wise, it'll probably, he'll, you'll probably get Hilton at a more reasonable price than the other guys that we mentioned. And he's probably going to be willing to come here. So I, I don't know. But like you said, I mean, you know, the quarterback situation with the Colts, I mean, that's another thing that's a, that's a big question mark too. So we'll, we'll see. Yes, we will see. Lakina, I have an idea. What's up? Let's take a 20-second timeout because uh, the next segment is going to get hot and heavy. We <laughs> have an instant classic from the weekend. We had to talk about from the NBA, the Chicago Bulls and the Portland Trail Blazers. That was very entertaining to watch, to say the least, on Saturday. We had a couple other big games from the association as well. College of Basketball, Illinois, and Iowa. It was a dogfight down there in Champaign from uh, from Friday night. And we had to get into a little hockey. There was, there was some baseball news as well. And we'll, since it's February 1st, as, as of this recording, we, we, we will pay tribute to a Chicago legend, Chicago's very own. You'll find out who that is when you come back. You're listening to Second City Sports. Welcome back to second segment of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. <laughs> Once again, I'm Lakina McGee. You follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, at Twitter and at Instagram at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's S I D K I D 80. That's S I D K I D 80. Hey, you can follow the show here on We Are Real Radio.com at War on Anchor at War Media, you know, wherever you listen to our show and all the other great shows, you know, that's Davis show, you know, all the other shows that are available on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Google, basically, basically everywhere you get your podcast, you can, you can yes. find us. Also on the tube or on YouTube, go to War Media, you can find our lovely mm-hmm. faces, like, share, and subscribe, and tell your friends and family. We appreciate your support, as always. Yes, <laughs> We thank you, and we thank you. So, the Bulls was a tough one on Saturday, Sid. You know, against Portland, they were down big, but they were able to come back. Then they were up again, but then, you know, Damian Lillard did what Damian Lillard usually does. I don't know about you, Sid, but when I saw him get that, you know, jump ball, look, we can for we can, you know, talk about how that should not have been a jump ball, or that, or that should have been a foul, literally, you know, even before it got to the jump ball. But you know, that that's neither here nor there. We'll talk about that. But but uh, that's just one of those, those tough losses for the Bulls. Now they begin a two-game, you know, series. You know, they're going to lose every once in a while to kind of reduce the travel, especially now that mm-hmm. since a big snowstorm just big snowstorm just hit hit us here over the weekend. Also over in New York, too, they'll play the Knicks on Monday, you know, starting tonight, Monday, and they'll, they'll, they'll play again later this week. So where do you see the Bulls? Because I'm, I'm hearing, like, so many, you know, Bulls Twitter is probably, like, one of the worst Twitters. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm calling some of y'all out because some of your takes, but – We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But, uh, Sid, what are you seeing with the Bulls and, you know, and everything? Where do you see this team at this point in the season? Uh, it's a failure to do the little things to close out games. And we said this year, is going, whether they made the play-in tournament slash the playoffs or not, this is a team that's in, in transition. This is a team that's going to have to find its own identity. And this is going to be a team – that's going to be on their best behavior because of new management and GM Mark Eversley and 
Arturis Konishevich is there, the new, new Bulls uh, head man. On the court, the Bulls, they seem like they like playing with each other. But as I said before, you got to do the little things to win ball games. They separate yourself between mediocre teams and bad teams and the, the very good teams in this league. Be able to do the little things to close out your opponent. Now, we're going to break down everything coming up in just a second with that tough loss on Saturday. Lakina, and I said this to Matt Peck on his uh, friend of the show, um, part of the Locked on Bulls podcast network. Again, he does ball, that's B-A-W-L on Bulls podcast on the, that network. And on, you can see that on YouTube as well uh, with his uh, former cohorts at uh, NBC Sports Chicago Bulls Outsiders. But I tweeted this to him on Saturday, and I'll say it here. For the first time in about eight and nine years, I actually was trying to cheer for the Bulls. <laughs> I did ask the question for the last few episodes, is this team must-see TV? I'll say this because I turned the game on midway through, this, through the third quarter because I was watching other games. We'll break those down in a second. I turned uh, the game on. I was like, oh, crap. They were down 25, but they made a comeback. They started making shots. They actually started to play defense a little bit. And I said – Damn, the, this Bulls team, we talked about them having a the fight. They had the fight. Laurie Marketing started making shots, especially from three. Zach Levine was doing his thing. Uh, Garrett Timbo contributed here and there. Who else? Uh, Thaddeus Young, who's been a big help to the Bulls these last couple of weeks, probably up in his trade value. Uh, he contributed with some baskets as well. Laurie and Zach had a combined over 40 points in that second half. Of course, the Bulls took the lead late. Zach Levine hit the top of the key three with about 31 and a half seconds to go. They were up five. And I said, the Bulls will probably win this game. I didn't expect, first of all, I didn't, didn't expect Zach to hit that shot. But when he did, I said, the Bulls will probably win this game. I think the next play, Covington had a layup. Yeah. And then the Bulls um, had a, a two foul shots. I believe it was Kobe White. And then after that, it just went on downhill. Damian Leonard Hill, United Center local three which cut the lead to two. Of course, uh, Zach Levine uh, received the inbounds pass. I, I heard this all weekend, and I'll say it here. When you start playing basketball, you don't take the ball out of the inbounds you go to the corner. Bad things are going to happen. But I'm going to take this from another angle. If you're Zach Levine, you know you're going to get fouled. Hold the ball up high. Mm -hmm. That means you're going to force the defender to make you foul you, and it's going to be a lower risk for that player to force a jump ball. I know no one's talking about that, but hold the ball up high so you're going to force the defender to foul you because by that time, the, there's not going to be a jump ball in that situation. Well, also, but then, too, of course, you mentioned Damian Lillard hit that yeah. big time shot over Laurie Marketing for the win. That was a that was just a miraculous shot. I was shocked at the time, but after everything I settled down, Damian Lillard does this, folks. So, you know, get used to it. If you're not used to it by now, you you, you missed a lot. He does that at Go least like once or twice, twice a season. So, yeah. unfortunately, it was up against the Bulls. But, look, I mean, I've heard some people say this is sort of karma for the Bulls because of what Zach, you know, did last season against the Hornets. You know, he kind of hit a, a simple, sort of a similar situation, you know, with, mm -hmm. and also he hit a three-pointer – you know, I forgot who I thought I forgot who it was over, but um, but they oh, the Bulls. You probably say had no business winning that game. You know, a lot of people said it was sort of karma, karma for that. But mm -hmm. unfortunately, you know, Levine, he's not at that level yet. Where he's not like LeBron, he's not mm -hmm. like 
Kawhi or AD or even Luca, you can probably say that he won't get the calls. And that's unfortunate too, because he's kind of worked his way up from being kind of like the rookie to, you know, being sort of like that, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. He's not superstar level yet, but he's definitely a star level. And, you know, it's unfortunate, you know, look, look, that, that call, we can, we can, we can talk about that, you know, that jump ball till the cows come home, you know, but, yeah. but you know, I'm sure the NBA will probably release a statement in a little bit saying that that should not have been a jump ball and that Levine should have been called for the foul, but you know, it is what it is. It's the second time the Bulls have kind of gotten, you know, jobbed out of a win, but you know, this is, this is probably not worse than what the, the OKC, you know, did to them. You know, they had a big lead. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, in OKC's case, they actually hung on to that lead. So that, that, that's sort of another karma event there. But, look, I mean, I actually turned the game off. I actually walked away from the game for a little bit to watch other games. You know, there were a couple of other college hoops games I was watching. But the fact, you know, I saw the score, but like, wait a minute, the Bulls caught up. Wait a minute, huh? The Bulls were only down, like, one. <laughs> <laughs> What the heck happened? I, I and I saw the replay and look. I mean, the the, the like we said, you know, as long this team is still getting, you know, putting up the fight. And I, I think, look, I think they're enjoyable to watch. Again, I'm not, you know, dragging my feet to watch a Bulls game. Like, oh crap, I gotta watch the Bulls. You know, last year I went to a Bulls game. You know, pre-COVID, obviously. <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. you know the, the memory shared on my Instagram and. Oh yeah, you know the the you know the place was packed. You know, in, in some sense, they were playing in Minnesota and they mm-hmm. they won that game. But I mean, you can tell the difference between that team and this team this time. I mean, look, you know, the, when the Blazers were up nineteen, I expect the Bulls to sort of we expect the Bulls. If this was last year, the Bulls would, would you know just crawl into a hole and just you know go to the field position and just you know pray and wish the game was over. But then look, you know, you you got the fight in them and. Look, you're gonna get a fight from this team, you know, in every game, and I can't wait to see these games against the Knicks because, you know, you know, you're, you're playing your coach Tibbs and Julius Randle's been playing very well for the Knicks, so that should be a fun mm-hmm. one. I think him, Levine are gonna be battling out, so that should be an interesting one in those games. But look, I'm not like I said, I'm not expecting the Bulls to be a playoff team, but you know, let, let's see what we have. I mean, look, a lot of these guys probably won't be here next season. I'm, 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 you know, I'm not attached to anybody. I'm kind of in that mindset, knowing that they'll probably mm-hmm. a lot of these guys probably will be gone next year. They'll be going to other teams. They'll all be traded or whatever. So I'm just going to enjoy the basketball that I have and see what we got and see who we can build around. That's all. That's all. That's all I want from this season. And I've said it multiple times. Well, there's some uh, in every bad situation. There's some good that always comes out of it. Uh, breaking down the box score from Saturday night's loss, of course, Laurie Marketing finished uh, with a team-high 31 points, including 6-11 from three-point land. He, he hit a few three-point shots in that fourth, in that third and fourth quarter to get back into – help the Bulls get back into the game. Of course, Zach Levine had 26 points, 6 of 8 shooting from three-point land. Kobe White, as, as I mentioned a moment ago, hitting those two free throws, he had 20 points to go along with six assists. He had a better game as he, uh, previous to his – prior performances, so Kobe Wright had an encouraging performance. Patrick Williams got back on track, at least offensively, chipping in with the 11 points off of 4-7 shooting in 24 minutes. So there are some encouraging signs. You didn't get that much from the bench in terms of scoring on Saturday, but, but as I mentioned earlier, you got key contributions from Garrett Temple and Thaddeus Young in that uh, in that. A comeback attempt against Portland. So there are some some signs, and that's due to, uh, of course, head coach, as we've been saying all year, Billy Donovan, Donovan makes a world of difference. Uh, 
Definitely, there's no comparison between him and Jim Boylan, folks. The only comparison is that the way this team is playing right now. I know people want to compare the, the record for this year's team to last year's team, but it may be identical. But the way this team is going, hopefully trending upwards, is, is much better sitting in this position than a, a year ago. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I mean, like we've been saying, this will probably be a totally different team next year. So we'll, we'll just see what we have. And and, and look, I mean, you know, Wendell Carju is going to be out for about a month. You know, we can, we're not going to debate on how it happened or why it happened. You know, I'm sure mm-hmm. people have, have their conspiracy theories. We won't, we won't go there, but it'll be interesting to see what they, what, you know, Billy Donovan does in his spot. I mean, will we see more of Gaffer? Will, will Young be there? Will Matt's favorite guy, Felicia, are we going to be seeing him? <laughs> we love you, Matt. Gotta get you back on the show soon. But uh, yeah, so it's going to be very interesting. Look, Patrick Williams development. He is getting better. Um, Garrett Tibble's actually been pretty productive for a guy, uh, you know, over 30. <laughs> he's 35, but he's still very productive. I mean, you know, Sadoransky's, you know, has been pretty good too. So, you know, Thad Young, like you said, said upping his trade value. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited to see, you know, how this team progresses, how this team grows as the season goes on, because look, I'm not going to say they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, could they perhaps maybe make a play for the, those, one of those play-in spots? Sure. But mm-hmm. I'm not gonna put all this, you know, pressure on them to like. Let's just get better. Let's just be confident and competent again, and we're getting that. So let's do a little, mm-hmm. you know, you know, spruce up the little things that we could probably be right there to sort of contend for those playoff spots or the play-in spots, as they say. Yeah, as you mentioned about the schedule, as of this recording, they'll have a two-game series with the New York Knicks this week, and then of course heading towards uh, the weekend, they have a two-game series at Orlando. Those are very winnable games. I don't think that it is unreasonable to take at least three out of four of those games. Don't do not come out of there worse than a split. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think so. I think they'll. I think they'll split. Especially well. the way the team is playing, and, and of course after what happened on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I think they'll they'll split it. I think Orlando's been kind of been sort of, you know, up and down lately. So of the Knicks, so they, they they could definitely. I would say the probably more reasonable expectation would be probably to split both these games. I'm not going to expect them to go four and zero or nothing like that. There, I think split is probably the most reasonable, um, the most reasonable thing mm-hmm. we can we can ask them to do. All right, let's uh, go around the other the other games from the weekend in the association. Lakina, the primetime game from Saturday night. I actually watched this via ESPN three via the. Behind the backboard can with no announcers. <laughs> it was the Lakers coming <laughs> out on top. 90, yep, 96-95 over the Boston Celtics. I know that um, Marcus Mart was hurt. He's going to be out a couple of weeks. Everybody thought that injury was a whole lot worse. Thank goodness it wasn't. Uh, Anthony Davis, who had a strong game for the Lakers, uh, led the team with 27 points, 14 rebounds. Jason Tatum had a great game for Boston uh, with the game high, 30 points, 9 rebounds, and 3 assists. Lakina. I know people want to put the panic button on the, all the Los Angeles Lakers. We said this all year, guys, that the, the first month, maybe month and a half of the season, maybe even the first half of the season, the Lakers would just close, win enough games, trying to get themselves uh, dealing with the shortest offseason in league history. These games mean something but, something, but they don't mean that much. It's all about getting ready for the second half of the season, being healthy enough going into the playoffs. Oh, oh yeah, look, I – 
I don't know why Lakers fans, because you know how some of them are, and I'm not, I'm not calling them dramatic because, you know, of course, they're in Los Angeles, they're in Hollywood, but there were some Lakers fans that were saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, LeBron and them, they're losing. Like, guys, look, 73 games, it's still a long season, like you said. Their, their offseason was very short. It's going to take them mm-hmm. a while to kind of, you know, AD's, you know, you know, taking a couple games off here and there. LeBron actually mm-hmm. – We'll probably see that later in the season where he'll probably take maybe a game or two off here and there. But yeah. That was a very thrilling game. Look, the, the Lakers actually, their defense actually kind of saved the day for them, you know, to yeah. keep them from, you know, avoiding another heartbreaking loss. But I think that'll definitely help their confidence. Look, you know, Boston, look, you know, Tatum, you know, 30 points. Like he's showing you why he's one of the, you know, definitely one of the newest superstars in the league. I know, I don't mm-hmm. like new, but he's like 22. So that's, you know, that, that, that kind of, you know, makes you, makes you feel kind of old there for a second. But, you know, it's still, <laughs> but, but still, I mean, look, it was a great game. You know, if you're the Lakers, you'll, you'll take the win and then you'll, you'll, you'll leave Boston with the win. So, and that's fine. But look, it was an entertaining game. I mean, we'll see if this is going to finals preview as they were hyping it. But look, I don't, we were disappointed. It was a very entertaining game, as it usually is between these two, these two uh, historic franchises. But, you know, Phoenix, Phoenix, you know, Phoenix got a couple, you know, got you know, a nice win against, you know, Dallas. Dallas, I'm a little worried. You know, should Dallas I know. Be I know. Because I, like, I know, look, look, the, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, about half the team had COVID issues earlier in the season, but they're still trying to kind of warm up and sort of, you know, get their strength back and, and whatnot. But the Dockers can only do so much. And, you know, if you're a Mavs fan, should you be worried? Maybe yes, no. <laughs> you should. They don't turn it around very, very soon. But uh, time's gonna run out pretty soon. If you don't turn it around within the next couple of weeks, uh, there there's gonna be a problem. We gave that warning to Denver. We'll discuss them in a minute. But it seems like they got the memo, so they're starting to turn turn it around. As you're listening to Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee, I'm Sydney Browns. We break down the National Basketball Association key games from this past weekend. Uh, we'll mention this game quickly. Shout out to our friend Alana Techhauer, a basketball blogger. Her Heat finally won a game for the first time in a while. They defeated Sacramento on Saturday, 105 to 104. Jimmy Butler, from, former Bull, by the way, made his return, scoring 30 points, grabbing seven rebounds and eight assists. But the one game I wanted to highlight in the Eastern Conference from Saturday night, I was actually watching this one live via my computer. Mm-hmm. It was the Charlotte Hornets game by the Milwaukee Bucks. 126 to 114. I'm sure in the long one, this game won't mean anything to Milwaukee, even though Giannis led Milwaukee with 34 points. Lamella Ball is showing why he's one of the top rookies in the NBA. He led Charlotte with 27 points and nine assists. Gordon Hayward had a, a, a great game too, but he got blocked by Giannis early in that game at the rim. But with that being said, uh, Charlotte. Uh, there's still a couple of games under 500, but I'm liking the way they're playing right now. I know the Bulls beat them about a, a week ago or so, but Charlotte, I'm not going to say they're not entertaining to watch, but they're starting to become one of those scenes that you got to pay attention to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, look, I think MJ's finally made some the right moves, and I think they'll definitely be, you know, right there contending for those last few spots in the Eastern Conference, perhaps even those, those playing games like we were talking about with the Bulls. You know, Lamelo's definitely impressed me. You know, everyone's saying that he's sort of the more talented of the of the Ball brothers. You know, we're we're mm-hmm. seeing why, we're seeing it why, but uh, yeah, I mean that was a very entertaining game, and and I have to say you got you got to give Charlotte credit for 
you know, for you know, being right there because they were sort of like in stuck in the middle like the Bulls were for many years. It looks like they're starting to fight, starting to get going to a higher level, sort of, you know, kicking it into gear and perhaps maybe content for those for one of those um playing spots. Okay, and one last game from Saturday night. It was the Warriors 119, the Pistons 91. The big story here, and I was actually watched a few minutes of this game, even though it was an ugly blowout via my computer. Mm-hmm. Clay Thompson made his broadcasting debut with Bob Fitzgerald and Kalina Azabuke on NBC Sports Bay Area on Saturday night. Um, I want Clay Thompson to go out there and play, but he may be working on a second career, which is not bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. bad at all. I'm not yeah. saying it's going to be one of the greatest analysts of all time, but he was kind of entertaining. I know the Warriors broadcast team had him do some sideline reporting here and there last year. Yeah, he actually um, actually uh, interviewed Steph, you know, after the game, after their mm-hmm. big, after their win, and it was actually kind of kind of caught Steph off guard too, because I'm sure he he probably didn't know that he was going to do in the game, so <laughs> he was kind of had that look. Yeah. It was actually pretty funny. Um, our buddy Spiro Didis, who we you know, we'll talk about him in a little bit because he uh, you know, called a great game yesterday in col in college hoops. But he actually shared a story where, um, you know, his dad Michael, if you guys remember, um, you know, he and you know, Spiro, he and Spiro, you know, they did the Lakers for a long time. He actually shared a story mm-hmm. where when you know Clay was a teenager, he actually did a lot of games, you know, kind of you know snuck in there to see you know what you know what the notes were, what they were doing, and what now. You know, because that's something that he wanted, really wanted to do. So, you know, I'm sure they're both of them are very proud of. He, he, I'm sure he definitely, he definitely has a future here. And look, we probably don't want him to do it for like for another years and years and years because he still has a lot of basketball left in him. But it was actually, yeah. pretty, it was actually pretty funny. So, you know, I'm sure, you know, what, what's once he does retire, I'm sure he definitely will have, he'll definitely have a lot of networks vibe for his, uh, for his services, no doubt. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, it was very entertaining. Plus, the game was in a was in a blowout, so they, he had a chance to do more entertaining stuff anyway. So it was very uh, interesting to listen and watch. Uh, take a look at a couple of games from Sunday, this past Sunday. As we mentioned, the Denver Nuggets, they are now 12-8, and eight, uh, defeating the Utah Jazz, 128-117. Nikolai Jogic had 47 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists. I know some people want to put him up there for MVP. Uh, will you put his name in your MVP conversation? Lakina. He's definitely the team picture. I mean, he had, you know, that was a career high for him, that 47 points. I actually was kind of surprised that they were able to beat, you know, Utah the way they did, snapping their 11-game win streak. But uh, like Jokic has kind of picked up the slap because Murray is still sort of, you know, re- re- sort of you know, getting his strength back from the from being in the bubble. So he said, mm-hmm. okay, you know what, you know what, Jamal, you go ahead. I'll, I'll, I got it. You know, he's been averaging, I think, about like 30 points. You know, since mm-hmm. and also the good, even better that the Nuggets have actually kind of got it together and they're actually getting better too, record wise, and now 12 and 8. So mm-hmm. I think that if you're a Nuggets fan, if you're a little bit nervous, you should be feeling a little bit better now. And also, they're, you know, look, they're getting some you know, contributions outside them, you know, outside, you know, Murray and, and Jokic. I mean, you know, Willie Barton had, you know, 18 in that, that, in that win. Paul Millsap, you know, had a nice, you know, nice, you know, uh, nice performance for him too. So I think, you know, the Nuggets are starting to kind of get, sorry about that. Uh, Nuggets are starting to kind of get, you know, to where we all thought they would be. So that's great to see. 
couple of the games from this past Sunday night. Uh, the Raptors, as they're trying to come, uh, climb back to the 500 mark, they're now 8-12 with the 115-102 win of the Atlanta Magic, which who the Bulls will see in Orlando this upcoming weekend. Pascal Siakam, rather, mm-hmm. say that name five times fast. Pascal Siakam scored 30 points, grabbed 10 rebounds. Uh, the all-star from a year ago is starting to assert himself in, uh, onto that team. Fred Van Fleet had a nice game as well. So Toronto, hopefully they can start turning it around because, as we said a couple weeks ago, when they got off to that bad start, if they didn't turn it around, uh, there's going to be problems. I know they're playing in Tampa this year due to the pandemic, but uh, it looks like they found that groove and hopefully they can climb back to that 500 mark. But the game of the night from Sunday was, and I did watch this after I watched the Blackhawks, the Washington Wizards got past the, the Brooklyn Nets 149 to 146. Kevin Durant led Brooklyn with 37 points. James Harden did not play in that game. Russell Westbrook had a game high 41 points, including a go ahead three pointer with less than three seconds left. Lakina, uh, the Nets, as we said before, we're going to keep saying this like a broken record. They can score the ball with anyone in the NBA, but defensively, until we see what happens with that roster, especially at the trade deadline, they need to play some type of defense. This is not going to cut. Oh, no, absolutely not. You're not going to – if they want to win a championship, which, look, you know, Nets fans have been you know, begging you know, that, that they are going to want to win, you can't give up 446 points in regulation. That, 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 that was really stunning to me. When I saw the score, I was like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. I thought, I thought they went to like two or three overtimes. That was in regulation. So you're like, okay, where's the defense? I mean, we always – you know, I know a lot of people rag on the Bulls and their lack of defense, but they're actually not elite yet. Brooklyn's elite. This is what's their excuse? I mean, they're definitely mm-hmm. are gonna they're they're gonna have to learn how to play defense if they if you wanna you know get, come out of the Eastern Conference and be the representative in the finals. You, you can't just you know give up 149 points and say oh well we can we can still win by 100 150 or 151. That's not gonna work. You're not gonna be able to do that. So, but look, a nice win for Washington. You know, Westbrook had his um, season high 41. They needed that win desperately. The losers did. So that's a nice little. Will this will this start sort of like a, a, a winning streak for them? They're four and twelve now. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, look, but I mean, I think the the Nets gonna have to start playing some defense though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we move on here uh, to college basketball, Lakina, just looking through the schedule, we'll start uh, with the big games coming up this week in the National Basketball Association for Tuesday. You'll have the Los Angeles Clippers continue their New York portion of the road trip. Of course, they won at the New York Knicks on Sunday. On Tuesday, they'll face the Brooklyn the Brooklyn Nets. That should be exciting. Kevin Durant versus Kawhi Leonard. Hopefully, James Harden will be back by then. Of course, in the highlight of the game in the nightcap on Tuesday, you'll have Boston at Golden State. I know you're looking forward to that first game especially. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think this could be could this be a finals preview? We'll see. And could it be like first to 160? Will that which could very well end up happening. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That should be a defense is optional type game. We'll we'll see there. But <laughs> but I think the I think Boston goes to probably be pretty pretty entertaining too. I think. Yeah. Uh, for Wednesday at 6:30 p.m. Chicago time, the Dallas Mavericks taking on the Atlanta Hawks in Highlanta. Atlanta is one game over 500. As we mentioned, Dallas, uh, they're trying to get back to the 500. Mark Luka Doncic is having an MVP type season, season, but Trey Young is leading that team for Atlanta. But they got all the parts and other pieces that are stepping up to help him as well. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that's been the problem for I think for both for both Donkage and Young because they haven't really had anybody else there to kind of help them out. I'm looking forward to that matchup. That should be very interesting. Um, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that the mascot get it together at this point because they've struggled and especially in mm -hmm. the West you can't afford to have these long stretches where you're struggling. We mentioned like we just mentioned a couple months minutes ago, you know, COVID and everything. They're starting to get their guys back. But even still, time's sort of, you know, becoming an issue here for the Mavs. So we'll see what they do. But I will say the one game I'm looking forward to is that is the nightcap of the ESPN game, Phoenix and New Orleans. Devin Booker mm -hmm. against Zion Williamson. That should be a very a lot, you know, a fun one there in the West. Both these teams are sort of up and coming. So definitely gonna be a very interesting game in that front. It should be also be very entertaining too. Yes, and then for Thursday, uh, it's a light schedule, but all, they, all these games except for one, I'm looking forward to. I'll just run down the games quickly. For Thursday, 6.30 Chicago time, Utah at Atlanta. At the same time as Golden State at Dallas, they'll be the first game of the TNT doubleheader. Of course, at 7 o'clock on Thursday, you have Portland at Philadelphia. That should be fun. And then the nightcap on TNT is Denver at the Lakers. I'm really looking forward to that one. Oh, yeah. A rematch of the Western Conference Finals, which I'm sure a lot of Nuggets fans felt they probably could have had a shot there. But I'm looking forward mm -hmm. to that one. That should be a lot of fun. And, yeah, definitely – this should definitely be very interesting, that, that, that game. It will be a very entertaining game. It will be nationally televised, so people will be able to watch. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> you're, listening, you're listening to Second City Sports, along with LaKenda McGee. I am Sydney Brown. As we now transfer over to college basketball, let's start out local, LaKenda. I watched this game via my DVR last night. <laughs> uh, the number 19-ranked Illinois Fighting Illini, they – they get their 11th victory of, of the season, defeating number seven Iowa Hawkeyes. Sorry, Alyssa and Maya Kai. <laughs> they, defeat, they defeated Illinois. Illinois defeated Iowa, uh, actually, 80-75. to 75. Uh, Kofi uh, Coburn, he was in foul trouble uh, most of that game, but he did come down with a couple of key rebounds at the end there. We'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, Ayo Dosumu led Illinois with 25 points, including 21 uh, first half points. Luke Garza did his thing for Iowa, scoring 19 points, grabbing four rebounds. Lakina, looking at this game, it was kind of back and forth, but you kind of got the feeling that Illinois uh, had control there, especially late. But it, it was it was the um, other players for Illinois, like Granderson and yep. Todd Frazier, for, yep. for Trent Frazier, I should say, for Trent sure. Frazier, yeah. who, Trent Frazier, who added 24 points. Uh, it was it was the supporting cast that helped out uh, Dusumo when uh, Coburn grabbed two early fouls. Yeah, uh, Frazier. Had Illinois more just a two-man team. Yeah, you know, Frazier had 24. That's a season. I think that's one of his season highs. Mm -hmm. He definitely made you know kept you know and also it was their defense too. I think I saw their defense sort of definitely slowed down. They were kind of keep you know they kind of kept guards at bay. You know he only scored 19. Mm -hmm. You know, but that was but everyone else. Um, didn't steal. You know, they only had like three players, no players for Iowa. So, you know, credit to Illinois defense, which kind of keeping them. They, there's no love lost between these two teams. They've had their battles, especially in recent years. So, mm -hmm. you know, you know, Copper and you know, shared it um, in the presser. You know, no love lost there, but they were able to, you know, look, Frazier was able to pick up, pick up the slack for them. And look, I mean, you know, a lot I needed that win, but because, you know, they're trying to be in that top tier in the conference to get those buys. So, 
that that's you know I think that was a big win for Illinois and and good for them I mean because I think they really needed it too because they kind of had had their struggles against the top in the big the top teams in the Big Ten early on but they're sort of kicking it to gear so hopefully this will be a start of something sort of you know sort of a nice little run here for Illinois but look it just shows you that in the Big Ten there's no games off everybody just about everybody mm-hmm. on that, in that conference is good so you know you got to keep your keep yourself on your toes there. Yeah, if you Illinois, you have to do that. You have the second most wins in the conference next to Michigan, who's by this broadcast. Hopefully, they'll be done with their COVID issues because Illinois will have to play Michigan very soon as we go down the final line I schedule. They'll play, by the time this episode is out, they'll play at Indiana on Tuesday, and then they'll play Wisconsin in Champaign uh, this coming Saturday, I believe, on Fox, mm-hmm. and then they're in Michigan Next week, assuming that everything goes according to plan, then they wrap up against Northwestern with the home game, then at Minnesota, and then versus Nebraska, then again at Wisconsin, and then again at Ohio State before the Big Ten tournament. Lakina, I believe they can, at least for that next four or five games, they had to win at least three of them. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to have to. I really do. It's going to be tough, too. We'll see where Nebraska is. And I think they're just coming back because they've had their COVID issues. So that's good. still mm-hmm. going to be a tough game. You know, Fred Horbo have his guys ready. So, yeah, th- th- like I said, no, there's no off games in the Big Ten. But let's – yeah, we'll, we'll, there, there are no off games here. So, you know, Illinois is going to have to keep themselves on their toes, you know, especially, you know, if you want get, to get to, you know, win that regular season Big Ten title. Yep, no days off. Lakina, did you get a chance to catch Loyola uh, Ramblers of Chicago? They defeated Missouri State. Uh, As we talked about last week, uh, shortly, uh, they have to win the Missouri Valley Conference. I don't know, this year may be different because of I don't know what the committee is going to look at this year, especially due to some many postponements. But do you think the Missouri Valley would get two teams in there? I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. Like I said, you know, the Ivy League, you know, they've opted out this year. So that definitely leaves a spot opening for somebody. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, you know, Drake, Drake's undefeated right now. You're right. And Loyola's, you know, they're getting better too. So if you're either one of them, I don't, I think you want to make sure you get that. I don't know how they're going to do it because, you know, there are some rumors that they may cancel the conference tournaments and may just pick whoever, whoever wins the conference. You know, they make it, they make it the automatic bid. I, I, again, I'm just, I'm just saying it. I don't know for sure, but mm-hmm. it's going to be very interesting, especially in a season like this where you had a lot of postponements. I don't know if you're, they probably won't get two teams in. If you're Loyola, you better hope that you will be able to <laughs> able to maybe yeah. beat Drake. I think they do play Drake. I think next week, if I'm not mistaken. I'm gonna make a look at their schedule real quick, but because that's a very like I said, that's a very tough Drake team. Yeah, they have a two gamer against them next week at Drake because the way you gotta way, come out there with at least a split. Yeah, yeah, because the way they're doing it this year is that they're doing two games to kind of reduce the travel. Mm-hmm. And they actually play. They actually play Missouri State again tonight. So they can't afford to. They have to win that game. They can't afford to, you know, lose anymore if they want to keep up with with Drake. So we'll see what they can do. What are the games that kind of caught your eye this past weekend in college? Oklahoma. This is their the fourth win. They beat four top ten teams. 
in a month. That's the that's only the third time it's ever happened. And the last thing that the last thing I did that was the day, yeah, go all the way back to David Thompson and North Carolina State teams from nineteen seventy four. They actually end up winning the national championship. Not saying they, that, that that they're going to win a national championship, but I think look, you know, Davion Harmon, you know, has led the way. They actually are, are actually are with, without one of their top guys, Austin Reed. You know, he's been you know having mm-hmm. injury issues. So the fact that they've been able to kind of pick up the slack, you know, for him, I think. Look, they've beaten they've beaten Kansas, they've beaten Texas, they've beaten um, they just beat. Alabama, top 10, another top 10 team. Who else did they beat? I, I forgot. I said four um, in succession. Uh, let's see. Alabama. Oh, uh, they played, they played, yeah, they played uh, Texas Tech um, tonight. So that should be a fun one there. They're trying to add that to their arsenal too. So, you know, long career guys, guys playing well. And I, I like what OU is doing right now. They, they actually look really good. Um, Virginia Tech. I mean, they've looked really good, too. I mean, they, they mm-hmm. beat Virginia. They've got a, a new coaching staff there, and they've been playing very well, too, because, you know, those last couple of years, you know, they were kind of, mm, but, you know, they, they, the credit to the coaching staff, they, you know, they've gotten their, their guys playing well. And uh, Kiev Aloma, you know, 29 points, you know, in, their la- in that last game against Virginia. You know, the Hokies are playing very well right now. Um, Tennessee beat Kansas pretty easily. Um, Creighton pulled away from DePaul. I mean, DePaul actually kept it close for a little bit, but they pulled away. Georgia Tech with an upset went over Florida State. You're talking about job security with DePaul. Someone brought it up over the weekend on Twitter. Dave Lato, this is his second go-around. I mean, you can use – I'm sure – look, look, I'm, look, I'm sure – I'll leave it. Yeah, you get more angry at them than I do, but uh, – Well, look, I mean, you can use COVID as an excuse, but at this point they have mm-hmm. a new AD there, so you got to mm-hmm. think that, mm, you know, we're not going to use COVID as an excuse here, buddy. I mean, we're going to, you know, kind of, you know, we'll see what they what he does with the new AD in Washington, but, you know, we'll see. He'll wipe the slate clean and, and start over and, you know – that that's another thing. We'll 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 figure that out as we go. Um, Ohio State being Miss Michigan State. Michigan State's been struggling. This could be like the only that's just the second time since Izzo has been there that they might miss the tournament if they don't get it together. I know they've had various COVID issues and stuff like that, but they've been struggling even before that. So they were yeah. the, they were the top fifteen early in the season. They they've just been you know deflating. So we'll see what Michigan State does because we're about six weeks left from Selection Sunday. So yeah, that's gonna be interesting to see what they do. Like I said, Drake's still undefeated. They they beat Illinois State in overtime, over able to hold them off. Um, unfortunately, Northwestern lost to Rutgers by eight. So, you know, it looks like you know Northwestern's kind of falling back to earth after a hot start they had early on in Big Ten play. But what about you? What have have you what have you seen that has impressed you the most in college hoops? I'll just mention with going back to the Big Ten, of course, Ohio State had that big win in front of a national audience on Sunday over Michigan State. But do not count out the bug guys, especially EJ Liddell. Yes. Uh, he's a real player, folks. Uh, you haven't seen him play. Uh, he, he's he's a beast, as the kids would say. Mm-hmm. And also don't count out Purdue as well. They can make a run. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Look, they, they've had some they couple, couple big wins on Purdue has. Like I said, no off games in the Big Ten. So, um, look. I mean, back to DePaul. I mean, look, if you're Dwayne Peavy, who's a new AD there, he just got there. Not he hasn't been there a year. Look, you can't use COVID as the excuse anymore. I, I don't think. I mean, if Duke mm-hmm. and if if teams like Duke and Kentucky that 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 you know, Kentucky's on pause still, 
because of COVID issues. You can't, if you're DePaul, you can't use that as an excuse anymore. I'm sure he's going to want to bring in his own guy. So he's probably already on the phones right now. We'll see what he does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's, since we have a few minutes left, Lakino, let's transition over to baseball. Before we get to the, the big issue, uh, let's start off with something not small, but uh, it'll be an integral part to what the White Sox do this year. I'm talking about Carlos Rodon. Of course, he was injured. He came back later in the year. Now ex-manager Ricky Rittigria used him out of the bullpen. That was not a good idea, but among other things. But with all that being said, Rodon is back for one year at $3 million. I know some people want to slide him in that number five spot. Some people want to slide him in the in the bullpen slash long relief role. Uh, what what do you think will happen to Mr. Rodon when the season starts? I'd be I'll be excited to see what Tony Luso does with him because I, I think look, we saw what we he tried to do from the bullpen. It didn't work. We'll see what he does, you know, mm-hmm. the back end. So I can see him kind of like as a mid relief guy. I mean mm-hmm. I, I think that'll take the pressure off him for you know he doesn't have to do like a a full game, but he can actually be sort of like a, a, a bridge between the starter and the reliever. So mm-hmm. I can see I can see LaRusso using him as more of a middle reliever, I think, because like 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 we said, we saw we saw what happened. We tried to you know, he tried to do the back end thing, it didn't work. We you know the, the bullpen certainly didn't work, especially in the playoffs. So Mm-hmm. I think they're going to try to do the middle relief thing, I think, with Mr. Rodan. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's the role that he needs to have on this team, along with uh, Ronaldo Lopez, assuming that he's still with his organization. But back to Rodon. We know that uh, coming out of the bullpen late does not work, especially after he came uh, coming off of Tommy John surgery. <laughs> but anyhow, like you said, if someone goes down, uh, if anybody goes down that starting rotation, he'll be the perfect uh, fill-in to fill in that in that starting rotation until the whoever gets injured in that starting rotation returns should be very like like I said he'll I, I'm sure he'll have his you know his sort of his spots of what to do with him but I think I think they'll, mm-hmm. they'll use him as a middle reliever I think I really believe that all right um okay Sid oh actually you know what before we talked about that which you know Dustin Pedroia the former AL MVP he's now his mm-hmm. retirement do you think he's a hall of famer uh, he's kind of borderline. I know he's had a, a great career with all with one organization. I, I know he came up with a bunch of big hits, especially during the World Series year in 2013. He, he also did back in 08 when he won the NL, uh, the, sorry, the AL MVP. I don't see him as a Hall of Famer. He's had a very good career, but a Hall of Famer, nah. nah he may be in the Red Sox Hall of Fame, yeah, but the Baseball Hall of Fame overall, I, 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 I don't see it. Yeah, I don't either. Like I said, I think he's a Hall of Very Good, as they say, and I hate saying that, but I think in his case, mm-hmm. he probably is, but I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. At least not, not, that's just our, my opinion. Yeah, he was a very good leader in that clubhouse, so, and that should not be ignored either. Yep. All right, Sid, so we have some interesting stuff that came out in the uh, season. Um, the uh, MLB actually offered the players and an MLB, the PA, the Play Association, a delaying 150 games, 54 game season, I should say. And while the players are mulling over that for this season coming up, they have not provided a counter offer, though. So where do you see this going? Because we're going to be doing this again, aren't we? <laughs> yes, we will. 
I know and I see and hear a hustle when I know one. Mm. Let's give a backtrack, ladies and gentlemen. Lakina, remember we were talking over here uh, during the summer, especially with a few of our guests about well, when baseball was coming back. They really wanted to do it in July, but it turns out they really didn't want to do it on July 4th. You waited to the end of July to pull out the 60-game 60, 60 season. You know why? Because you didn't want to play the players, pay the players, okay? Of course, they had to give in not having fans in the stands this year, in the last year until the playoffs and the league championship series in the state of Texas. <laughs> yeah, you, we said at the we said at the time we'll say it again. The the bar, the current agreement is up after this upcoming season. This is a hustle bargaining chip that the owners are using to screw the players. Hmm. If no one does not see this coming, I don't know what you're paying attention to. The yeah. reason why they want to delay this upcoming season a month, you know why? And I heard someone say this the other day. Donors don't want to pay the players. Mm-hmm. And you know what, Lakina? All these teams, including our two teams here in Chicago, at some point they're going to open up the, the stadium, assuming that things are improved by then, which I think they will, but they're going to open it up slowly. You're going to have fans in there, and which, uh, which have we all learned throughout this past year. The majority of their revenue, yes, a big part of it comes from TV, but the, but the majority of it comes from us fans. Mm-hmm. And to say that you don't want to pay the players for a full season, I am not for it. I know I'll hustle when I see one. The <laughs> number two, but no, now on the flip side, I've been saying this for years. The MLB needed to cut down the, se- the season from 162 to 144. I know they had to do that back in 95 because they started the season like due to the 94 strike. Right. But the reason why I said that is because you know the baseball playoffs want to expand. And so how you make up those games that you lost if you had a 40. 144, 150 game season, you expand the playoffs. They they did that last year with the wild card series, the best of three. It seems like it, that it worked, but it, but this time go, uh, going around offering that up with the Universal DH, it sounds like a, a last attempt hustle to me. If you're the players, you do not fall for it. Everything should start on time. Force the owners to do what they're supposed to do. The owners do not want to pay the players for a full season. To the players' union, don't fall for this nonsense. I know a hustle when I see one. We're going to be doing this, aren't we, for like a month, aren't we? This is this is just mm-hmm. this is just crazy that the player, like, well, I should say the the you, well, the, the 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 owners, I should say, you know, they don't want to play pay the mm-hmm. play the players, you know, 154 game scheduling, and you want to delay the schedule a week, and then you want to extend the skin extend it to the end of the season another week. So I don't think this is going to be, yeah, this is going to be a, a fight. And I don't think, and I don't mean a fight as mm-hmm. in like, hey, yeah, play really hard and that this will be a fight among for money and a fight for the revenue. And like you said, Sid, I mean, the collective bargaining agreement is up after this year. So you're going to be, even, you're going to you know, have another, inf- another fight here, but yet next year about this time, we're going to be talking about perhaps maybe a strike. So you know, these two sides have to get together here, and will they? I who who knows if they will. But at, at this point, I mean, I, I think baseball fans will say, okay, you know what? Whatever it is just get it, just get it together, mm-hmm. and and just you know just try to figure out something. If you want to, perhaps you know, we look like like you said, so it might get better. But in some states, you, you may be able to. They may bring in fans for some states, but other states they probably won't. So. Uh, so we don't know as of right now, but like I right. said, these could change a couple of between now and opening day. 
yeah, absolutely, whatever that'll be. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm just sort of like, okay, I'm kind of over it at, at this point. A point. So let, 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 just figure it out. Like I, I, I go just, just figure it out. I mean, pay the guys, and you know, with ESPN, the you know, award is that they may actually, you know, show less baseball this year. Mm-hmm. For, you know, for various reasons. So you probably won't get a lot of, you know sort of like showcasing a lot of their games. If you, if you saw their schedule, the schedule is actually very short. So it'll be very interesting to see what they do because you're not going to have a lot of places where you'll be able to showcase your, your players. So we'll see. Yeah, most of that – I think most of that um, – the schedule, for at least because I know they were in contract negotiations mm-hmm. with baseball. It looks like ESPN, like you said, probably after this season they're going to show less games. Most of those games will go to the Fox Sports Networks and, and – Turner, and of course, they're exclusive home for the for the one of the league championship series, and you, uh, the other games will be seen on MLB Network and Fox. You know, regular Fox and FS1. So those majority of game, those games might may go there for the for, uh, for the future going forward. But if you're a fan, Lakina, of course, uh, baseball has been playing this back and forth since the start of last season when the fans couldn't show up in the stands. Now you're going to pull this now. Right, less than less than three weeks away uh, from spring training, the fans haven't been in the stands for a year. Now you're going to pull this, and you expect your fans to forgive you and to say, "Well," and then use COVID as an excuse. I'm not buying it. Well, yeah, and you know that a lot of teams are going to want to use it as an excuse too, and you know, mm-hmm. ticket prices and whatnot. So we still don't know, like, if they are going to allow fans in the stands. We'll see. I mean, like you said. I think they will. It's just, it's just at one point. Like you said, depending on the, the states and the, the cities. Right, yeah. I'm sure it's going to be limited. It'll probably be more free-flowing in other states and other ballparks. So it'll be interesting. But, uh, yeah, we're going to go through this again. Yay. <laughs> Especially during these times where everything is a reset. If you're baseball, you cannot afford a strike or a lockout. That that, that just look bad on. It just look bad on you. You got away with it last year because you couldn't have fans in the stands. You saw how that went as far as their PR battle in the press. You can't afford to do this again. You just can't. And you actually have young stars that people have been begging to support and watch for a long time. You still have still has some issues as far as. Uh, promoting them away from the game, but that's a whole nother podcast episode within itself. But you have actually have young stars that fans like and want to get behind, and then you pull this mess. This is just unacceptable. Also, lack of promotion too. I mean, look, we didn't get a chance to talk about it in the last pod, but um, Ken Griffey Jr. has been tapped to be kind of like the sort of like the the president of you know developing younger younger players, more or less like maybe getting more minority talent, especially mm-hmm. to play baseball. So you can't have more to have this type type of PR, bad PR, if you're trying to a get those younger players to be promoted more and to perhaps maybe get you know especially minority communities, especially black communities to start playing mm-hmm. baseball more. This doesn't look good for e- either in either sense. So it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. I just hope they let King of Virginia uh, do his job and not have him as a quote unquote figurehead. I bet. Yeah. I, I hope not. Um, real quick with the Blackhawks got a nice win against Carolina. Was like a kid. Columbus. 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 I should say my bad. Cause mm-hmm. they play Carolina you know, tomorrow, but uh, yeah, yeah, it looks like they might have found they finally found a goalie, Sid. 
Yeah, Kevin Lincoln, and uh, he's been hot since the season started. Of course, uh, Blackhawks are missing a, a couple of a few players. Of course, Jonathan Taves and uh, other guys. I know Alex DeBrinket and Adam Broquist, they're, they're supposed to uh, come off the COVID list soon. Yeah. Um, and a couple other players go on, the, uh, back, uh, go on that list the other day. But this team is playing very well right now. You split the weekend series against Columbus. As you mentioned, you have Carolina coming up this week. Uh, there is an opportunity to at least, uh, at, at worst, uh, get a split and perhaps climb back to that 500 mark. And I'm predicting this team going to the playoffs. No, but you you want to see a whole lot more. And hopefully, Taze, whatever he's dealing with, he, he'll come back at some point this year. Yeah, let, let, let's hope so. We're, we're cheering for him. Um, <laughs> as a whole, you know, the Capitals, I mean, they've won three in a row despite, you know, all the weird and stupid things they've been doing, you know, with – with COVID protocols and whatnot, you know, the Flyers have been playing very well. So have the Panthers and Boston and Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver. I mean, I'm sure if you're the NHL, you're probably going to want and hope and pray that you can get a Canadian team in the Stanley Cup final this year. Um, <laughs> but, you know, St. Louis and Colorado, the Colorado's been playing very well. I know they've had their various issues too. Minnesota too. Also Vegas, Vegas mm-hmm. has had their issues, but they've been playing very well. So, you know, who's impressed you so far? Because, I, 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 like I said, I like what the Capitals do, even though the stupid things they've done off the ice, but that's another. <laughs> I was going to say Philadelphia too. They've been on a roll as well, yeah. so watch out for the Flyers. Their problem is, uh, even though that's a young team, I know we're still a few months away, but I want to see what you can do in the playoffs. Can you handle, handle that pressure? They, they, they fell through last year in that, in that second round loss to the Islanders. Yeah, this is, yeah. Should be a very, very uh, fun the rest of the season. Like I said, I'm, I'm just hoping that the Hawks can actually be tolerable to watch. <laughs> they looked really yeah, good. Well, they were on Sunday night. We'll just say that. Yeah, so. yeah I'll say, yeah, they actually look good. You're probably their best game of the season. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it should be, should be interesting to see what you know, what they do, you know, these next few weeks. Um, anything you looking forward to, Sid, real quick? Uh, just the NBA games that, that were that we highlighted earlier. And, of course, we're, we're um, this uh, countdown is on to Super Bowl Sunday. We'll preview that in our next episode. So uh, a lot of basketball to look forward to. And, and also for college basketball, looking forward to Illinois. They should be able to take care of Indiana on Tuesday on the road. Indiana's just one of those Jekyll, Jekyll and Hyde teams. You know, mm-hmm. they, they played really good against some of the top teams, but since the, you know, the quote-unquote bottom tiers, they just haven't played very well. Yeah. Like I said, if you Illinois, this better not be a letdown. Yeah, you, never, you never know. Should be a very interesting one there. Um, Purdue's looked really good, uh, like you said, Sid. Um, they play Maryland, so Maryland, you know, they're kind of right there too, mm-hmm. so that should be a fun one there. They'll, they'll be up, up tomorrow. Um, I think you said you, talk, you talked about the, the Indiana game. Uh, also, COVID, too, is going to be see, see if COVID is still going to be an issue because Florida State has a game tomorrow against Boston College. They're only going to have, like, I think, like eight scholarship players. You know, they've had their issues with mm-hmm. COVID, so definitely look out there. But you know, I think, look, we're kind of, like I said, we're going to see you know, six weeks away from a selection Sunday. We may see a pause. You know, something to look out, look out for there. But uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what, you know, these games. Also, too, how COVID sort of, you know, dictates the rest of the season in college hoops because it's getting, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's going to get pretty interesting. I'll, I'll say that. 
Yeah, that's going to be the main storyline as we head down the home stretch of the uh, regular season uh, going to these conference tournaments for college basketball. Real quick, Lakina, we have these couple of minutes left. Uh, I teased before the show, uh, as as of this recording, today is February 1st, Black History Month. I want to uh, pay uh, homage. I know it's a sad anniversary, but we're going to celebrate the life. And that's Chicago's very own Mr. Don Cornelius, of course, especially for you younger kids, you don't know that name. He was a host of Soul Train. Actually, the show got started in 1970 on Channel 26 locally here in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Then Mr. Cornelius took it to Hollywood for syndication. Uh, it got started nationally October 2nd, 1971, of course. This series lasted from 1971 to 2006. Of course, Don Cornelius passed away nine years ago today at the age of 75. Before uh, he started Soul Train here in Chicago, he was a, a police officer, and then he was a news reporter for WVON. Uh, and I said this on, he put black music and eventually hip hop, even though he was against it personally, but for business reasons, he put black music, black culture uh, on the map, not just for, for America, but for the world to see. And he did the hippest trip in America. It's, it's going to be a stone gas, honey. I know I'm screwing it up. He could do it better, <laughs> way better than I can. But, uh, of course, the hippest trip in America, love, peace, and soul. I just wanted to say my uh, two cents about the the, late, the great Don Corny. Is, uh, he's definitely left a legacy, and it will not be forgotten. The music industry uh, will not would not be the same if it wasn't for him. I know people want to talk about Dick Clark and Bandstand. It was popular before his time, before MTV kicked his ass in the 80s. That's right, they were off the air, but Soul Train survived all of it. And it wasn't for Soul Train, black artists, black music in particular, would not be in the same place today. Even though most of the music, I don't want to go on the tangent a little bit, but even though the most of the popular music today is garbage, uh, it would not be in the same place if it wasn't for Don Cornelius and Soul Train and the other people behind the scenes that don't get enough credit for it. Uh, if it wasn't for them, uh, black entertainment uh, wouldn't be the same like it is today. Yeah, and that's not a dig against Dick Clark, but a lot of mm -hmm. times, you know, he didn't showcase a lot of black artists at the time. It was actually Don Cornelius. You know, they actually, once the, you know, the Soul Train, you know, launched here in Chicago, a lot of the black artists started coming to that show. And he, mm -hmm. I think Clark had, Dick Clark had the idea, okay, I better start showcasing more black artists. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think he had this sort of like, I think he had to kind of like, you know, you know, not, not beg, but sort of like encourage, you know, the, the, the club where he was working at, you know, doing, doing um, bandstand at to sort of start, you know, showcasing more and more black artists, mm -hmm. especially once Don Cornelius took off. So, and like you said, Said, I mean, he started showing rap artists too back in the mid to late 80s, even mm -hmm. though he said himself he wasn't a big fan of it, but he knew that it was becoming a very popular and mainstream, so mm -hmm. he didn't really have a choice but to, you know, showcase him. But like you said, we, we owe it to him, especially to, you know, the fact that, Mich you know, that um, artists and the culture, you know, was being showcased on a national level, which wasn't happening beforehand. So, yeah. You know, rest in peace. And, you know, unfortunately, in, you know, unfortunately, today's music, you know, most for the most part, there's some good music, but a lot of it now mm -hmm. is just not what it used to be. But we owe it a lot to, Dick, uh, to also Dick Clark, but also especially to Don Cornelius, because if it yes. wasn't for, for, for the, the, those gentlemen, music, we wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be the same. And also, too, referring to Black artists, Lakina Soul Train, 
Don Cornelius knew what he had to do business, right? He had the big stars coming on that program, but he also gave this, uh, the, the new artists a heads up making their national television yep. debut. We can go all down the line. Of right. course, I'm just taking names <laughs> out. In uh, Back in our time, we were growing up in Vogue, yep. TLC, yep. Uh, Airbnb, Rod Kim, even Snoop Dogg, even though he was still yep. popular at the time. But, you know, once he appeared on Soul Train and Snoop Dogg said it himself, check it out in that documentary on YouTube, folks. He said it himself. Uh, if it wasn't with Don Cornelius and Soul Train, you know, I, I wouldn't even be here. So for, for America Bandstand, if you were a black artist, you had to be at the top of your game. Dick, yep. Dick Clark wouldn't put a black artist on that was trying to get that foot in the door. You had to be a superstar yep. like Diana Ross and Michael Jackson, Vigil the Jackson Marvin 5. Marvin Gaye. And yeah, Marvin Gaye Mar and all of them. Right. Smokey so Robinson what, and them, yeah. Exactly. Right. So what what, uh, what Don Cornelius did, yes, you had to have the superstars on to sell. Of course, Gladys Knight was his first uh, yep. guest when he made it national, but you also had those up and coming stars that that wanted to get that foot in the door to help start their careers. So, you know, Don Cornelius deserves credit for that as well. Also, the underground artists too. He actually, especially mm -hmm. in the last few years he was there, he actually showcased a lot of the underground artists. So, because you know, unfortunately, like you said, like like we like we said just now, Bandstand wasn't doing that. You had to actually be at the top. You know, be have a top, mm -hmm. you know, a top ten, you know, hit or a top album to be yeah. showcased there. Don Cornelius says, you know, okay, you know what, you know, if you're up and comer, I'll showcase you. And you said it was Snoop Dogg, and Snoop Dogg said it is in his, uh, in his uh, documentary. He would have been still been in obscurity if it wasn't for Don Cornelius. He would have been, he would be mm -hmm. mainstream, you know, we wouldn't, you know, he would be the Snoop that we know and love today if it wasn't for Don Cornelius. So he's definitely still missed. And, you know, it's unfortunate that there are, you know, shows like Soul Train and Bandstand, and even TRL, you know, Carson Daly, we'll give him a shout out for a second. Those <laughs> shows are not around anymore to kind of showcase those type of artists. And yeah, speaking of Snoop Dogg, real quick, if you guys remember, do your research, but he almost didn't get on, in, talking about in the beginning of his career, talking about Snoop Dogg, he almost didn't get on um, the American Music Awards, which is now still owned by Dick Clark Productions. Go do your research on that. Even though he was uh, becoming popular, Dick Clark, uh, some people in this here didn't, didn't want Snoop Dogg on that uh, American Music Award show. So I'll leave a cliffhanger there. People go do your research on that. But And that's why, uh, speaking of award shows, real quick, I know we got to get up out of here, but <laughs> Dark O'Neill has had the Soul Train Awards, yep. the Lady of Soul Awards. and He had a, a Christmas special. Yep. And I believe he had another one as well that lasted a while. He had the Comedy Awards. The comedy, the you know, comedy I think ones, it lasted yeah. a couple of seasons, but he had the Comedy Awards. So he had a bunch of award shows that 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 grew out of that Soul Train brand. That brand is in, in not just in Black culture, but in American culture and music culture. That brand is is here to stay, and its legacy is going to outlast all of us. Yeah, they still got the Soul Train Music Awards on, you know. Yeah every year so BET yeah I know they own that content now yeah. yeah yeah so you know it's still it's still around and look I don't look I don't think we would have heard a lot of these black artists you know these black artists would not have been the mainstream enough for Don Cornelius too so rest in peace to an icon and yeah I would say check out his biography because you know the story check it out on YouTube folks yeah his story is fascinating the fact of how he became the host of Soul Train was very fascinating and like yeah like Sid said you know, his comments about hip hop and how he was very hesitant to showcase hip hop artists initially. That's fascinating too. So mm -hmm. definitely something to check out for you guys on YouTube. Yep. Close it out. And on that note, so you can follow me at Keenan McGee on Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. 
You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com, and you can go support this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast programming for more media by simply searching for War on Anchor, which keeps you over to iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, even the iHeartRadio app. Wherever you download your podcast, make sure you type in that search search engine box, W-A-R-R on Anchor. We're also on the tube, a.k.a. YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media, you can not only listen to us, but watch us do our thing live. Thank you for your support. Thank you. Thank you very much, D. Like, share, and subscribe, and tell your friends. So, guys, wear your mask, wash your hands, try to dig yourself out if you have skis. <laughs> be safe. <laughs> we will be – look, don't worry, folks. We will be previewing Super Bowl 55 on our next episode. You mm-hmm. know, prop bets, you know, breakdowns. Also, hopefully we'll have some yeah. – have a couple of folks on to sort of break down the games. So don't worry, we haven't forgotten about the Super Bowl. We're just, you know, waiting until it gets closer and closer to the game time. So for Sid, I like Kansas for Second City Sports Zoom style, and we'll see you Friday. Happy Black History Month. Till next time. Holla! <laughs>